Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? I hope you're having a great day so far. Thank you so much for being here today. We're so pumped that we get to do our church at home experience. And I just want to say, I know that 2020 has been a crazy, crazy year. There's been a lot going on. And if you live here in the Bay Area, all the fun has not stopped, right? Like over the last few weeks, we have been living in this smoke filled air and it's been it's been crazy but I feel like it's kind of healthy every once in a while to remind ourselves that we are all kind of going through this together just so that you know you are not in this alone that you were being prayed for you are loved and and I just hope that you know from the at the bottom of your heart the core of your heart that even though there's so much craziness happening in the world that doesn't mean that God is not at work in fact I think that it's in times like these that God is most at work, or at least that we're most open to the work that God is willing to do in our hearts. And so I want you to know that God has a purpose and a plan for what you're going through. You're not alone, and we're all navigating this together. Uh, Thank you so much for being here today. I want to give a special shout out to those of you who are part of the Eden family. You all are such a ridiculous blessing. We love you so much. And without your support, we know that we would not be seeing all that's happening in this world through our church and in our city in the name of Jesus. So we appreciate you so much. But I also want to give a special shout out to those of you who are are here with us for the very first time. It means so much that you would step into the conversation today. And our prayer for you is that over the next 30 minutes, you would begin to see God speaking to you more clearly, God moving in your life, and that you would have value being added to your situation in light of our conversation today. I'm so thankful that you're here, and I hope that you know God has a purpose and a plan for your life. My name is Daniel. I'm the lead pastor here at Eden Church, and we're all about helping people become all that God dreamed they can be. And part of how we do that is by helping people to to take next steps in their faith journey. And so this is part of how we do it, is on these Sunday morning experiences, these Sunday morning conversations. Now, I'm excited about today because today we get to continue in a conversation that we started last week called Loveology. And this series for us has really been all about how to win at relationships because we know that we were built for relationships. We know that they contribute so much to the quality of our life. And so the question for us is why have we been settling for less? And so last week we started talking uh, about this idea of love and we asked what does love look like in relationships? And we saw that Paul was telling us that like there is this next level of love. It's not just about what you do for people but it's how you see them, the posture of your heart. And we learned that we cannot have the right posture until we have the right perspective. And the right perspective is that we begin seeing people as more significant and valuable in in our lives, more valuable than our own lives. And so that was really the beginning of the conversation where we were building a foundation for everything that we're going to talk about in this series. And today, we're going to have a little bit different of a conversation, a little bit more focused conversation today, because we are going to talk about how to crush it when you are single. And I know right now, stop, don't 
click out of this window. Okay, I know you're ready to turn this video off if you are not single because you might be making the assumption that what we talk about today will not apply to your situation. But what we talk about is going to apply to every type of relationship. But we're just going to focus a little bit more, tailor our talk and our examples to those of us who are single. Now, I know that as you hear me bring up this topic, there are some of you who may be asking the question, what does this guy know about being single, right? And it's true. I have been out of the game for 12 years, all right? I've been married for 11 years. Uh, I'm sorry, Kayla, I've, I've been out of the game for 14 years, right? We were dating for a few years before we got married. My apologies, but I've been out of the game for a long time, and I realize that the game has changed a lot since I've been in it. So what value do I actually bring to the conversation? I don't know the answer to that. All I know is that the perspective that I'm coming into the conversation with today is the realization that when I was single, it was a big part you know, being in a relationship was a big part of the conversation that I was having with friends. It was a big part of what I was processing and thinking through during that time. And so what we're going to talk about today is not the solution to everyone's problem. It may not fit for everyone's situation. But what I want us to know is that it is, yes, possible to be single and satisfied. It is possible to be single and you have no concern or desire to be in a relationship with people. But I also want you to know that if you do desire to be in a relationship with someone, that's not wrong or bad either. And there's a way to do that that is healthy, that is smart, and that is effective. And so that's the approach that we're going to take today is, is letting you know that we can enter into this season of life with wisdom from God's word. And I'm really excited that we get to have the conversation. Now, all of us have been single in our lives. There are some of us that are still single today. There are others of us that weren't single, but were single again. And as I think about like this unique season of life that we all experience, I think that there are really very few people that I know that look back on this time and they were like, man, I crushed it when I was single. Like I made use of every day and every year to do all the fun things that I wanted to do before I got married, right? And then there are some people who are single and, and, and very few of them are like, yeah, I am like totally satisfied with this season of my life. There's no part of, of being single that is discouraging to me. And, and I realize like there are very few people that look at this season of life and feel positive about the way that they lived it. And I think that it's kind of weird, right? Because a lot of times you have single people who want to be in a relationship and then you have people who are in a relationship that hope and wish that they were single again. And I think that what that tells us, something really insightful, is that, that relationships are not the answer to all of the dissatisfaction that we are feeling in our life. But what's crazy is that in our culture, there's kind of this narrative, right? Like you have to find the one. You have to find that person that's going to satisfy all of your needs. They're going to romance you. They're going to love you. They're going to serve you. They're going to meet every one of your needs. And the problem with this idea is I think that the phrase, the one that we use in our culture, is really a code word for finding someone who's going to satisfy and meet all of your needs. And you know, like I know, 
that that person just does not exist. And the problem is that we are spending so much time and energy focusing on trying to find the one when that person or that idea that one person is going to meet all of our needs doesn't even exist. I've been working in our shower uh, for the last month or so trying to update some of the fixtures and I've been looking for this part to our, our shower handle and I've been literally driving around to store after store, going to website after website, researching this product and what I recently found out is this guy told me that I was trying to find a part to fit a product that doesn't even exist anymore. Okay, I spent all my energy and time trying to do something that was impossible. And I think for some of us, that may be a picture of how we are spending our time and our life during these single years and these single months trying to find something that doesn't exist. But I wonder, and this is sort of our question for today, what if there was a better way? What if there was a healthier, less anxious way to find the one? What I want to try to convince you of this morning is that it is so much more important to be the one instead of spending your time and energy trying to find the one. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the true story of a lady named Ruth because she absolutely crushed it in her singleness. And her story is told in the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible. It tells the origin story of humanity and how God used this faithful group of people to spread the message of hope all over the world. And Ruth's story actually begins with a lot of tragedy. She is linked up to this family who moved from Israel to Moab because there was famine in the land of Israel. But as soon as they moved to Moab, the father of the family dies. And then shortly thereafter, the two boys, they get married to two Moabite women. One, name was, one lady's name was Orpah and the other was Ruth. And shortly after they were married, both the sons died and the mother Naomi was left in this foreign land with two daughters, no family, no support system. And she realized early on that this was not an environment that she could thrive in. And so devastated, she decides that she's going to leave Moab and move back to Israel. And somewhere along the way, she realizes that it would be unfair for her daughters-in-law to move to that land because from her perspective, she didn't see that they had very much hope for a future in Israel. And so she releases her daughters to go back home. And the first daughter, Orpah, decides to take her mother-in-law up on that offer. And she goes back home to uh, Moab with her family. And she leaves Naomi. And then she makes the same offer to her second daughter, Ruth. But instead of Ruth going back to her family, we learn that actually Ruth decides to stay with Naomi. And this is one of the most famous lines in the Old Testament, particularly from the book of Ruth, and this was her response to Naomi. It says in verse 16 of Ruth chapter 1, it says, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Ruth said, I am committed to you, Naomi. Can you, can you imagine that? For those of you who have in-laws today, okay, and I'm, this is a rhetorical question, so don't make any faces, don't raise your hand, but how many of you would do that for your in-laws? Okay, not, 
Maybe not. Maybe some of you would, okay? If you would, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, if you wouldn't, remember, this is just a rhetorical question, okay? But anyway, so they leave Moab, Naomi and Ruth, and they arrive in Israel, and right away, they are in like just survival mode. Look at what it says in Ruth chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. And so this is the first thing that we learn about, about how to do this season right, how to be the one instead of focusing on the one. Being the one requires that we focus on the priorities that put us in the right environments. And so we learned that like Ruth takes advantage of this local ordinance that allows for people in her situation to gather stocks of grain left over on private farms. And right away we see that even in the midst of like this tragedy, even in the midst of turmoil, Ruth just kind of gets right to work. She doesn't feel sorry for herself. She doesn't so throw a pity party. Not that if she was upset, it would be a pity party. But I mean, she literally just doesn't complain. She doesn't lash out and she gets right to work. And what I love about this scenario is that it shows us that, that immediately she began focusing on what was in front of her. And what was in front of her was like this great need to provide for her mother-in-law and for herself. And so right away, she just gets to work. She gets a job. And what she wasn't doing in this situation was standing at the doorstep of every available bachelor in that city. Because what we learn about Ruth is that like she was this beautiful woman. And chances are she probably had the choice to connect and to attract some guys in her life. But she just didn't put herself in that situation and, and what I think happens sometimes in this season of singleness that all of us have been in is that sometimes we can get impatient with the process of being single and we start doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And what happens is we start putting ourselves in the wrong environments. And when we put ourselves in the wrong environments, we start attracting the wrong type of people in our lives. I remember one time when my brother and I were growing up we knew absolutely nothing about fishing, but we decided to go to Santa Cruz and go out on the pier, and we started fishing. And there was a guy next to us who had like this bucket of fish full, and so we thought, this guy knows what he's doing. And we asked him, we said, we said can, can you catch a trout out here? And the guy kind of looks at us like he probably should have, like these guys know absolutely nothing about what they're doing or what they're talking about. But he explained to us, he said that trout are freshwater fish. They're not in salt water. And so you're not going to find a trout here because you're fishing in the wrong environment. And what's happening is some of us are wanting freshwater guys and freshwater girls, but we are fishing in the wrong environments. You've all probably like heard that saying, looking for love in all the wrong places. And I think that that is so true for how so many of us are operating. We are putting ourselves out in ways that are going to attract the wrong type of person. If you are a follower of Jesus, you want to put yourself in environments that are consistent with your priorities. And when we start to put ourselves in environments and, and, and allow for our priorities to influence those environments, you do not have to be worried about finding the one. You just have to put your energy in being the one. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to be single and ready to mingle, I think it's a good thing and I think it's wise. 
I think that it is part of the desire that so many of us have. I'm just saying that the environments that you put yourselves in will determine the type of person that you end up with. I love when we look at Ruth's story that her priorities determined her environment. And while she was doing her thing, someone noticed her. Look at what it says in Ruth chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? The second thing that we learn about the value of being the one is that if we focus on being the one, God will take care of finding someone. Now, we don't know if Boaz made the emphasis on the question the way that I did All we know is that Ruth was literally just focused on what she was doing in front of her, focusing on her thing, and Boaz was doing his thing, and she caught his attention. And I hope that this point is not too idealistic of a statement. I'm not sure if it is, but I've just seen it happen too many times to believe that this is just a coincidence, that when we are focused on being the one, God often will take care of of finding someone, that, that we give God an opportunity to play a part and to influence our situation when we can just focus on being the one. And I, when I look at the story of Ruth, she was just being faithful to what was in front of her, and Boaz noticed her beauty. He noticed her grit. He noticed her position in life. And we don't know exactly what caught his attention, but there was something about Ruth that seemed so different from all of the other girls that he may have had access to, because it's important for us to know that Boaz was a successful person. Like, he owned this farm. He was what we may refer to as like this eligible bachelor. And so he was probably used to women trying to position themselves in his life to be noticed by him, to gain his attention. But what I'm telling you is that a guy who has character or a girl who has character, they are attracted to other people with character. So what I'm not saying is don't go after someone you feel drawn to. That is perfectly acceptable. I'm just saying don't put all your energy on the packaging and not spend any time on the content that is in your heart and is who you are. Because if you focus on being the one, I promise I promise that God will take care of helping you to find someone. You don't have to worry about it. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33. It says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. If you focus on being the one, God is going to take care of helping you find someone. Let's look at and see what happens in this next verse. It says in verse 6, And the foreman replied, She's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters, and she has been hard at work ever since. The third thing that we learn is that when you focus on being the one, it becomes a lifestyle and not an event. Boaz 
was attracted to Ruth, he saw something different in her, and so he asked his foreman about her. He wanted to gain more information about who she was. And what, she, what he found out is that for Ruth, the character that she was displaying in that moment wasn't like this punctiliar event in her life, like this one-off moment, but, but it was actually like this lifestyle that Ruth was committed to. She was this person of character. It was a pattern in her life. He probably could have gone to anyone who knew Ruth and they would have said the same exact thing. Oh, Ruth? Oh yeah, Ruth is a good girl. Yeah, Ruth is a hard worker. Ruth is a faithful person. Ruth, you won't find someone with a higher character than her. It was a lifestyle for her. And I'm telling you that if you are looking for someone who has that kind of character, if you're looking for that in someone else, it's, and it's not true of you, the person you're looking for is probably not looking for you. Now, I know that that may sound like a really harsh thing to say, and I'm not trying to be harsh, but I'm trying to, for, for all of us to gain a greater sense of self-awareness, that if we are a person looking for attributes in someone else, we have to realize that we will only attract the type of person that we are. And so if you long to be with someone who has great character, it will require you first to be a person of character too. From this point forward, we know that Boaz was sold on Ruth because he realized that it wasn't this event in her life that she had character, but it was a lifestyle. Look at what it says in Ruth chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Boaz responds to her, The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after younger men, whether rich or poor. So don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous, virtuous woman. Ruth was not looking for the one, but she found someone because she was focused on being the one. And it wasn't just anyone. Like she found this man in this culture as we learn more about Boaz that he was also a person of great character. We learn that on the back end of this story that he goes through this process of what they call becoming a kinsman redeemer. It was this technical policy in that culture that allowed for the person who was the nearest family member of her deceased husband who could step in to provide support for her and even marry her. And what we know is that throughout this entire process, Boaz honored Ruth like a queen. He treated her with such a high degree of respect. He was generous to her. He provided for her. He made sure that she was being protected whenever he was, she was on his farm. When we focus on being the one, oftentimes what happens is that we find someone who's doing the same thing, running at the same speed, heading in the same direction. I love this picture that someone painted for me when I was single. And they said, Daniel, if you would just focus on running toward God, what you will know what happens over time is that you will notice that there is someone running after God at the same speed, at the same direction, and in the same timing as you. And when you find that person, know that maybe that person is someone who is in alignment with your values and your goals in the direction that you're heading in life. And I love it. And I think that Ruth and Boaz found that in each other. 
And I love Ruth's story. It is so powerful. And what is really interesting about Ruth's story is that her faithfulness during this season of her life was what sort of brought her into this moment to be a part of God's bigger story. Because in a sense, Boaz was this picture of redemption for Ruth. Because when we look back at what Ruth had available to her when she came into a relationship with Boaz was, was not much. Like she was this foreign woman who was living in a land that was not her own. She didn't have family. She didn't have friends. She didn't have money. She didn't have resources. And when Boaz connected with Ruth, immediately he saw her value. He saw this person of of great worth, and he restored her life, a life that she thought was lost, a life that she thought she would never gain again. And I think that is a powerful truth for so many of us today in light of the conversation that we're having around singleness because there are some of us today that are tuning in to this service where you think that you have completely destroyed your life. There are some of you that, that think you have set up patterns in your single life, in your dating life, that, 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 that there is probably going to be no person of character that wants anything to do with you. But I want you to know that that's not how it works. That in God's economy, just because there was a pattern in your life in the past does not mean that there has to be a pattern in your life in the future. That whatever you thought was lost along the way, God can and will restore. I know that there are so many of us in need of redemption. So many of us, especially when it comes to relationships, needing to believe that God can redeem the brokenness that has been so significant in our stories in the past and to believe that he can bring something healthy into our life again. Maybe for you that is the next relationship that you have. But there are some of us today that are in a toxic marriage. And what you need to hear today is that God can restore that marriage. I don't care how bad it's been in the past, how bad it is right now, if you are willing to allow for, for God to let you be the one I promise it will influence the relationships you have today. I wonder if the challenge for us this week is for us to slow down on trying to focus on finding the one. And all of us spent more time and more energy this week on being the one. And at the core of what it means to be the one is honestly... Nothing, nothing that special. It is to be like the one. To walk with Jesus. To be obedient to Jesus. To begin slowly conforming our lives to the model of life that Jesus left for us. Because there are so many of us that can spend energy on self-help rituals But we don't need life transformation. Honestly, what we need is heart transformation. We need to be changed from the inside out. No amount of behavior modification is going to answer 
the dissatisfaction that we feel in our hearts and the dissatisfaction that we feel in our relationships. But the goal this week is to focus our energy on being the one and not finding the one and to allow for God to influence that part of our life and to let's just see what happens. Let's see what God is willing to do with a heart that is committed to walking with Him. I know that this conversation for so many of us may be really challenging. Maybe there's a sense of guilt or shame that we feel in light of some of the relationships that we've had in the past. And it's difficult for us to believe that we could move past that in our life. But one of the things that the Bible promises those of us who are far from God or disconnected from God is that when we take that step of faith with God, He can create a brand new heart from the inside out. A heart that is clean, a heart that has been purified, a heart that no longer has to live in light of their past, but can live in light of their future. And this morning, I want to let you know that all you have to do to experience that new creation is a willingness to step out of the old and into the new. A willingness to have faith for the first time, believing that God loved you enough to send His Son to die and to sacrifice His life on your behalf. To cleanse you from any part of your life that you felt shame from in the past. To redeem you. And this morning, if that's where you're at today, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer of you asking God to come into your heart, to come into your life, to redeem all that you thought was lost and to begin that relationship with Him today. And so I want to encourage you, if that's where your heart is today, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you're viewing this, I want to encourage you right now to bow your head and to close your eyes and to pray this prayer in your heart. Dear God, thank you for loving me even when I didn't love myself. Thank you for seeing in me value, so much so that you would send your son to die for my sins, to die for all of my mistakes, so that in his sacrifice, all that was unclean, all that was sinful, all that was wrong about my life would be made clean in your eyes. It would be washed away as if it never happened. Today I want to receive the love and the sacrifice of your son Jesus. Today I want to begin following you, believing that you can restore this heart of mine. God, thank you for loving me, Thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.